values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time on your Friday with us, and a thank you to um, the Attorney General, Chris Mays. The interview will be available up on the podcast a little bit later on this morning. If you want to listen to it, you can always download the podcast. We're going to review a little bit of this in the last half hour of the show. Not all of it, but some of the key points of the interview with the Attorney General. Um, I want to talk about the economy again because of the – I don't want to say mixed messages. I want to start with the, the good parts of the job market. Over 500,000 – was like 517,000 jobs added in uh, January, crushing the projection of about 189,000 or 187,000. So it is way above, double almost uh, two and a half times the amount there. Uh, the president of the United States speaking about this. This is President Biden talking about the job creation continuing to be strong. We've created 12 million, 12 million jobs since I took office. That means we have created more jobs in two years than any presidential term, than any time in two years. That's the strongest two years of job growth in history by a long shot. So, uh, again, I would be riding that horse, too, if I were the president. Uh, this is how it goes. You highlight the highlights. That's what you do. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that are going to say I would be one of them that would say you are also a beneficiary of the growth that with the natural progression of coming out of covid, um, the economic policies of this administration, the concerns that people have. I will tell you on the other side of this, there are a couple of things that need to be addressed. But I will say seeing the job market remain strong for people, I think, is essential for a lot lot of people keeping their financial heads above water, and here's why. We know that credit card debt has at an all-time high. People are behind. I, I think it's been almost a decade, uh, maybe more, that uh, people are behind on their car payments. And so we're seeing that slowdown affecting families. The slowdown in job availability in some areas, but it's more about the uh, inflation remaining high, even though it's slowing down. Food is still very, very, very expensive. Gas is on the rise. Fuel is on the rise for a couple of reasons. Cold weather and fuel oil, absolutely. But also we are seeing the um, demand for gasoline go up. And I've had, I was having this conversation with a lot of people. This is what my biggest division with the Biden administration. I said there are two areas of this administration where I see incredible mixed messages. I just see it differently than a lot of you do. Uh, I see mixed messages when it comes to climate change. What I mean by that is the president believes, and I know he believes it, that climate change is the number one um, issue that America faces and the world faces, is defeating man-made climate change. Now, I don't agree with that principle, but I, I know that that's what he believes. But we are not necessarily doing anything or haven't been able to, whether he wants to, and I know he does, we have not yet seen a decrease in the need for fossil fuels, whether it's diesel fuel or, or gasoline. And there are some long-term questions about what happens because there are some areas where you are just going to need it. Um, it's going to be a fact of life where gasoline and fuel, you know, fossil fuels are necessary, whether it's uh, natural gas or it's, it's, it's gasoline. Um, 
But we have not diminished the need for it because one of the things we have done, and if you look at Texas and their their grid and what that grid is like, their power grid, their infrastructure, um, if you remember, there was – was it California just that last year um, came out and wanted to give tax credits to people that owned EVs or electric vehicles and then last summer warned people in California not to charge your electric vehicles because you were going to stress the power grid and they might have rolling blackouts. So we understand there's a grid issue. At least I understand it. Maybe I understand it just a little better, not much, but a little better than the average person because of my time spent as an electrical contractor. So on a much smaller scale, I understand the idea of a power grid. I understand about overloading a system. So, But where my sense of confusion comes is that they are still asking the world to up their production of oil. And the world is not cooperating. So he has – he's gone over and fist-bumped the Saudis. He has made phone calls to the UAE, to OPEC nations, to the Iranians. He went to the Iranians. The Iranians, of all the nations in the world that are not – that are enemies or not friendlies with the U.S., I would say to you my impression of the Iranian government is that they hate us the most. That, that, that this isn't just we want to beat them economically. This is not just an economic rivalry. They they would like to see us destroyed. And yet we went to them and asked them for help in this regard. We went to the Venezuelans. We've done so much of this with these oppressive regimes where we are asking them, please up your production. Let's get things rolling. Let's keep things rolling. Wait, well, that's that's not a climate change principle. The climate change principle is that fossil fuels are what's destroying our planet and we need to diminish the need for them. So to me, that's a mixed message that we are still imploring the world to produce fossil fuels for us to use in America, that we need the prices to go down. So you need to up production. That's a mixed message to me. You shut down a pipeline in the U.S., you go to events where your party is hosting it, where you're not speaking to the entirety of the American people, although it's recorded and it's played later. But when you go to events within your own party, you say no more drilling, no more drilling onshore, no more drilling offshore, no more drilling, no more drilling, no more drilling. But then you go and ask the world to continue to drill. That's one area. The other area is on the border with this mixed message of you can't fly into this country with a visa and a legal right to be here if you can't show that you've been fully vaccinated. But walk across the border and we don't even ask. So there's some mixed messages when it comes to the economy of the U.S. I think the biggest issue for this presidency is going to be the fact that he the brunt of these policy changes, especially when it comes to electric vehicles and climate change, the brunt of the expense is being put on the shoulders of working Americans. We are now seeing gasoline go up in price. There are people saying that it's going to go up over four bucks a gallon again. Some of the experts, I don't know that that's true. I don't want it to be true. If somehow this president navigates and his administration navigates that we don't go into a recession, I'll applaud it. Uh, you know, I, I have plenty of reasons to not support this presidency uh, continuing into another term, and I would be vocal about it. But that doesn't mean that I want to see the American people fail so that I can be right and have a better chance of seeing a person that I would want in office win office. I I want policies that make sense, and there doesn't seem to be much of it. I don't blame him. 
for talking about the job creation. If it were me, if I were in his administration, I would do that. But listen, Apple sales drops 5% in the largest quarterly revenue decline since 2016. Phoenix-based solar energy firm uh, Zenernet files Chapter 7 bankruptcy. It is um, Apple sales shrink as pandemic rally ends for iPhone maker and other tech giants. So there, you know, everybody is still pointing. There are local economists that are saying they still believe we're going to have a recession this year. It's just not going to be that bad. Let's just hope we roll through this. But it's policy that can have big effects. And let's hope that that policy works out. Coming up in a moment, we always do this. It'll be the last time of this week at 1120. It's called Did You Hear This? It's how we get you caught up on the biggest news stories and headlines. It's coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Very busy news day for a Friday. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Executive Director of the League of Arizona Cities and Towns, Tom Bell, should join the show to propose an alternative method to help Arizonans deal with food inflation. And you can do a thing like a rebate. So you determine how much money and what type of people that you want to help, and you do just a one-time rebate, again, of income tax that can go back to people through the – they can just send them uh, a check like the federal government does, and it's a one-time issue. What do you think of this proposal? Um – to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure. I think it, the basic question for me is, should people pay taxes on the grocery store food they eat and on rent? Should you pay taxes on food and shelter? Now, that question is not necessarily an absolute yes or an absolute no. If you think the answer is in some circumstances, the state of Arizona should not be changing this law and allow cities and towns to do it for themselves. Um, I think this is more about how do we make sure that we are not taxing people that are in a more vulnerable position than others. If you pay rent, chances are you're not in a position to buy a home. Homeowners don't pay a tax on their mortgage. Renters do in some places. Is that something that's fair? Those are what we have to weigh. But his ideas were interesting, and I knew we'd get them from an opposite side of the conversation, and I'm glad we did. President Biden today spoke on the state of the economy and was asked if he takes the blame for the rise of inflation. It was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. Do you blame this administration for inflation? (laughs) I just think he's living in a fantasy land with what he just said. Um, We had the entire – we had all of North America saying that the renegotiation of NAFTA into the USMCA was going to be exciting and excellent for America. It's the one thing the Canadians were on board with. So were the people of Mexico and how things were going to be more fair. And we were going to negotiate, really, truly negotiate as North America, which gave us even more negotiating power, uh, to say that we weren't manufacturing anything here as 
a false thing to say. We had, as a matter of fact, it wasn't just me that said it. There were experts that came on the show that said what was great about the economy in the previous administration is we saw huge job gains, huge wage gains, and no inflation. So can you blame this president for all of it? No, you can't. But to say the previous administration was hemorrhaging jobs and had this high inflation is a fantasy. Look at gas prices. All four years of the previous administration, gas prices were under, under $3 per gallon. Let's just start there. I'm not blaming this president for everything, but let's acknowledge fantasy from reality. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day to catch you up on the headlines. The United States is dealing with a large Chinese reconnaissance balloon, and General Pat Ryder spoke with the press over whether or not this is a threat. Right now, we assess that there is no threat, a physical threat or military threat to people on the ground, so we're continuing to monitor. Um, you know, then we'll just leave it at that. What are your biggest concerns about this balloon? That it, they had a press conference, so they thought that this was a big enough issue. Maybe enough Americans were asking and worried about it that they had to say something. But the parts of what they had to say that I heard, they really didn't say much. So my biggest concern is why aren't they? When they say we aren't going to talk about this, he must have said the phrase, I'll leave it at that five or six times in the parts that I heard. That's what concerns me. When you say something without saying something, there's a reason why they're not saying it. I'm not scared. I just want to know what it is. Attorney General Chris Mays joined you this morning to discuss the importance of stopping stopping human trafficking in its tracks. We've got to disrupt that ring, that those networks, um, and and it's got to be a year-round effort. This can't. I mean, it's definitely heightened during sure. the Super Bowl. Obviously, we have a lot of people flooding into the valley right now as you and I speak. But it's a year-round problem. How do we keep importance on stopping human trafficking after the major events in Arizona end? I think it's talking about it. I think it's exposed the stories about it. Um, once you see it for what it really is, you can't take your eyes off of it. You can't, It's almost like I can't unsee that. It, it does take away some of your innocence, but sometimes a little bit of that innocence needs to go away. When you see the predatory behavior and the complete um, lack of concern for another human being's dignity and their life, when you see what human trafficking actually does to these young women or young girls in some cases being trafficked, it makes your stomach hurt. And I think maybe that sense of awareness is what we need all the time. So if we see something, we say something. Maybe that would be a step in the right direction. Great job this week, and today, as always, Julia, and um, we want to say a thank you. We're going to cover a little bit more of what the Attorney General Chris Mays had to say in the interview. We're going to do it coming up in a few moments. But on this human trafficking side, we're going to let you hear more of what she said. It was a big part of the conversation, unfortunately, and I say this unfortunately because I only want to talk about the good things when it comes to the WM Phoenix Open, when it comes to the Super Bowl. This is certainly not anything that they've done or even promoted or caused to happen, but by nature, this is that predatory behavior of human beings that I talk about all the time. What you and I see is a financial windfall. What you and I see is excitement and attention in a good way and parties um, here in Arizona showing off how great we are. What predators see is an opportunity to get over. And we need to be mindful that that's happening. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk a little bit more and let you hear a little bit more from the Attorney General Chris Mays as she was on the show for 30 minutes. It was compelling. We're going to start with this track program, which is tracing financial um, 
of financial transactions um, of over $500 using certain sources. We'll let you know what she had to say next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Had a very interesting conversation uh, about an hour ago with the Attorney General in the state of Arizona, Chris Mays. First time I've talked to her since she was elected Attorney General. We, I've known her for a long time. We interviewed her during the campaign. And so interesting now that she is in the position to hear some of the things that they are doing in that office. One of the reasons why we reached out was when we were informed about something called the TRAC program. It's something that's been going on since 2006, and it, it as she said, has been um, used by both Republican and Democrat attorney generals as a tool to track and and uh, prepare um, uh, trends and look for things, uh, patterns in catching traffickers, whether they're human traffickers or drug traffickers. So I want you to hear what she said about this program and why she's defending this program. It's been supported by both Democratic and Republican AGs over the years. It, it, it is very effective in helping uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, including mine, combat sex trafficking, human trafficking, uh, but especially going after the cartels and drug trafficking. So she believes that this is uh, is constitutionally legal. And again, I want to be very clear that just because something is effective doesn't mean that it's legal. And, you know, and I think that's what the, the people in law enforcement and um, and you're definitely as, as the attorney general, you're in law enforcement. It's what they've wrestled with forever is the Constitution restricts what you can do. It protects the rights of the people from government intervention. But at the same time, your job is to protect innocent people from criminals. And you've got to weigh the two because you can't abuse somebody's rights to protect someone else's. Doesn't seem fair sometimes to people, but that's the way it is. And she talked about the useful data in all of this. Data has been collected from them that allows, um, and usually non-identifying data, but you know it, it does allow us to identify patterns and then to go after people ultimately um, who we think are engaging in these crimes. So it's really effective. To your, I, I do think there's some areas for potential reform, including you know, are too do too many people have access to it? And so again, that's that's. Part of uh, things to reform is it necessary now? So I, I had a very interesting conversation. I've had a lot of conversations about the ACLU. I, we rarely agree on some things, but in this area, when the ACLU says this may be a huge breach of someone's privacy rights, and we believe that, it was an interesting conversation with them and how they crafted this, how they talked about this. But the attorney general was here to say, A, it works. B, I'm not the first one, and it's been Republicans and Democrats that have used it. The courts have spoken on this and said that it's legal and this is value, a valuable tool to us but I'm open to reforms. It didn't sound like an unreasonable response from the Attorney General. I want to shift because we spent a lot of time talking unfortunately about human trafficking surrounding big events like the Super Bowl 
and like the WM Phoenix Open, Barrett Jackson and the other car auctions. It is something that is a year round problem, which she said multiple times. And I'm glad she said it and brought it up that this goes on a lot, but it does follow major events. So she talked about how important it is to stop human trafficking. And we are doing everything we can from a law enforcement standpoint. And I won't go into the details of our operations, but I, I can tell you we are engaged from a law enforcement standpoint to 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 strike back against this um, and and to catch these 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 rings and these guys that are doing this. So she acknowledged that I learned this from my friends. I've I have talked often on the air that I've gone to. I've spent some time recently, a little bit more time at uh, Wild Horse Pass, and I like to go there and, and eat and play. But I've spent a lot of time. It's been my favorite place for a long time, Talking Stick Resort, um, because I just love the atmosphere. I love the food. They've got great restaurants. Uh, the customer service has always been good to me, from the valets to the pit bosses to the dealers to the people that work in the restaurants. So it's a fun place for me to go. And I've become friends with many people that work there. And one of the things I've heard over and over again from employees there, and I would imagine it's hotels and resorts everywhere. This is just what I'm hearing from employees that over the pre in, in recent years, there has been more of an emphasis on recognizing what human trafficking looks like because it happens so much in those places, in resorts and in upscale hotels and, and, and going after the more wealthy clientele. And so they have been better at recognizing this and trying to stop it while it's happening. So she recognizes this. The attorney general recognized that they are doing this. The hotels where it had been occurring and does still sometimes occur are doing a better job of training their own people. Right. What I'm to, to, to identify it when it's happening. Okay. You see these situations and, and identify it and try to stop it. What was interesting was she was talking about one of her big concerns now, which I had never thought of. And uh, this is on the forefront of her mind and what some changes she would like to see to end this. Airbnb, VRBO, hosts who are not present at the house to see if there's sex trafficking going on. And so I, I, am, I am calling on VRBO and Airbnb to make training mandatory in the same way that many of the resorts and hotels are, are making it uh, mandatory or at least doing it for their employees. So I don't know as much as I would put the responsibility on a homeowner that is going through Airbnb or VRBO. I wouldn't necessarily say it's your responsibility, but I would say this. If it were me and I were renting out a property, I would want to do my, it would be, I would take it on myself to say, I want to do the best I can to prevent that from happening in my property. And it makes sense that, you know, hotels and rest and uh, resorts are, uh, are different than they were before, but there is some autonomy in an Airbnb or in a VRBO. Now I'm not going after these companies, I'm just those are the main ones out there for these short term rentals. And during events like this, these homes are being rented out and they're being used as brothels. I mean, for lack of a better term, these are the places that they are. So how are we able to how do we adjust with the criminal element? Because this is the thing 
this is that predatory behavior I talk about so much. You and I are focused on the party and the fun. You and I look at that golf tournament, the WM Phoenix Open. We look at the fundraising that it does and stays right here in Arizona. We look at the amazing fun that that event is to see the wave of humanity that attends that golf tournament. The um, Not just the golf tournament itself, but um, when you've got uh, the bird's nest and all the concerts that are with that, all of the video we're going to get from 16 and that iconic hole in golf and what they've done on 17, that's what we see. Predators see that as an opportunity to go after people. Same with the Super Bowl. I love that it's here. The millions of dollars that it is going to contribute to the Arizona economy in the short and long term. I love all of that. But along with these major events comes an element of society that preys upon people, and they prey upon people at these big events. And so if, you, if you're in this industry, uh, you know, this short-term rental industry, I'm so thrilled for you that you have a property that's going to make you large amounts of money. I mean, this is a time that's terrific. But imagine this now thinking about some predators using your property to traffic young girls. And if there's anything you can do to prevent that from happening, it would seem like we all would want to. We've got a little bit more from uh, with our conversation with Chris Mays with the attorney general, and it has to do with elections. She talked a lot about election um, uh, threats against election workers, and it's something she's pretty passionate about. So we'll let you hear a little bit of what she said coming up in a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, what's not to smile about? It's Friday, and we're playing the cars. I mean, what what more could you ask for? Uh, happy Friday. Thanks for being here. Um, a very interesting conversation with the Attorney General, Chris Mays. Uh, she was kind enough to spend 30 minutes in studio with us. I hope you'll go back and listen. We had a couple of great interviews today on the show. Uh, one with the head of the, era, the League of Arizona Cities and Towns talking about the possibility of a tax on food and rent being rescinded and what it would do to towns around the state of Arizona. Just a different perspective from what we've had on from legislative leadership. And also this conversation for two segments of the show with the Attorney General Chris Mays. And uh, we finished up the conversation in talking about elections. Now, what happened recently is um, the accusation from the Secretary of State's office is there were some tweets that were put up by former gubernatorial candidate Kerry Lake, and they showed what they said were signatures that didn't match on envelopes for um, um, the election cycle, that they couldn't they couldn't match signatures. Well, the first of all, I know we don't know what those signatures were. It doesn't matter. The Secretary of State says it violates state law and asked the Attorney General to look into criminal charges. Here's what she said about that on the show today. Um, I really can't see too much more than that, obviously. Um, you know, we have other referrals on election matters. Um, in general, what I say is, you know, people need to, to be careful, um, you know, when it comes to, to, to voting laws. You know, we, we do have voting laws. We have laws on the books that people need to be careful about. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and obviously we will uh, take a close look at any of these referrals and all of them that we receive. Now, she did not say 
say that we can't comment during an ongoing investigation. You know, so I don't want to put words in her mouth. But they were very careful. She was very careful in what she said and what she didn't say. So I expanded this conversation to talk about election workers. The chairman of the County Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County, his name is Clint Hickman. Clint Hickman wrote a letter to the attorney general's office asking for criminal charges against people that are threatening election workers in Maricopa County. And I asked her about that. And here's how she responded. They now have an attorney general who is going to vigorously prosecute anyone who engages in death threats against our elections officials, uh, violence, threats of violence, attempted interference in our elections. So she said she's going to vigorously go after them. And one of the things that I, I've, I've mentioned about this, here's what bothers me. Well, a lot bothers me about the threats that happen. But you're defeating your own purpose. There is a movement in the state of Arizona. Whether you agree with it or you disagree with it, there is a movement in the state of Arizona that says we – need to get rid of early voting altogether. It's mail-in ballots that has the most possibility. If it isn't already happened, it is the weakest part of our election system is matching those signatures and, and ballots that are mailed out and ma- ballots that are mailed back in. They want to get rid of early voting. They want one vote one day. On that Tuesday, election day, the way it used to be, go to the polls and vote. They want to change to that. And they want to go to a hand count of all votes. They believe that the voting machines can or are, uh, can be or are already uh, compromised. So they want it hand counted. If we were going to try to do that, both of those things. If we had only in-person voting on Election Day, the number of polling places and the number of poll workers we would have to have would increase dramatically. If we went to a hand count of all ballots, we would have to have the number of people uh, counting ballots really jump dramatically. Think about the audit that happened here in Maricopa County and how long that audit took with volunteers working tirelessly to count all those ballots by hand. In other words, the number of election workers, volunteers or paid staff would increase or would need to increase in huge numbers. At the same time, election workers are getting anonymous phone calls where their lives are being threatened. Why would anybody do that? You know, a part-time job that you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. You're doing it because you feel like you're contributing to the free and fair elections we have or to make sure they're free and fair. If you're getting your life threatened, if you're an election worker, why would you get involved in the system? And that's the part that gets me. People won't. So if you want all of these changes, which probably aren't going to happen, but if they did, would take a huge workforce to implement and be successful – Why would you chase the workforce away? It's a frustrating thing to even consider. So I want to thank the attorney general for joining me. Um, It was a good conversation and it was nice to talk with her. I want to take I want to thank Tom Belshi uh, from the League of Arizona Cities and Towns for today. And I want to thank you for a great week on the show. Please go listen to the podcast and those interviews in their entirety. It really was an education for me as well. If you're a social media user, let's keep in touch this weekend. Um, You can find me at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter at Broomhead Show Update you on show things. So follow both accounts and Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. 
Instagram. No dots, no dashes, no nothing. Just Mike Broomhead on Instagram. We can keep in touch between shows and uh, keep up with each other. So please do that. We'll be back on Monday morning, beginning at just after 8 a.m. So thanks again for being with me for part of your day. Hope you've got a great weekend planned. God bless. 